0: Hello and welcome to Digital Marketing Musings, hosted by Merkel. Each episode, we choose a different expert
1: to share the latest and greatest in digital marketing trends. Today, we're interviewing Alex Lee and Neil Peterson about esports. All right, let's get to it. I'm Gaia Reed, and I'm Andrea McCartney, and this is Digital Marketing Musings. Welcome back to
0: Digital Marketing Musings, season two. Today, we're joined by Alex and Neil to discuss
1: esports. As Director of Strategy for MKTG Canada, Neil helps to guide the sponsorship decisions of MKTG's clients from Scotiabank to TeleUS to Adidas, connecting brands with the passions of their customers. Alex is a strategist at MKTG. And has become the lead subject matter expert in gaming and esports across North America, and is passionate about working with brands to find their place in this exciting new area of sponsorship. Welcome to the show, guys.
2: Thanks Thank you. a lot, guys. Excited to be here.
1: <laughs> we're happy to have you. So, this episode continues our gaming series, um, and today we're talking about esports, what they are why they're important in the digital marketing landscape and what advertisers should consider when evaluating investment in this area. So starting from the very beginning, what are <laughs> esports? How would you explain them to someone who has never seen or, or been involved with them?
2: Yeah, I, I think it's interesting. I think, you know, people throw around a lot of terms um, and even just, you know, is it esports, is it e sports? I think, um, you know, the way that we like to start thinking about it uh, when we're talking to clients is uh, really the, the difference between gaming and eSports. So when we think about gaming, we're really talking about this umbrella of um, anyone who has any interest in gaming, um, you know, whether it is playing it, uh, whether it is watching it. Um, you know, they, it could be your grandmother who's playing words with friends, or it could be the most hardcore of esports professionals. Um, and it's really like this this catch-all term for for the interest. Um, esports is really this professional, um, you know, competitive version of gaming. Where it is organized video game competitions, um, where you've got professional players um, that are competing against each other, um, often for prize money in the same way that you have with professional sports.
3: Yeah. And to add on what Neil's talking about here, in terms of esports and the difference between traditional sports, like esports is such a dynamic space, especially the way that it kind of blends all of the competitive aspects of traditional sports with new media as well as entertainment. So when you think of like a traditional sports broadcast, right, like it's on TV, you're watching analysts who know a lot about the game, kind of break it down, talk about it while you watch the athletes perform. When it comes to esports, it's, it's so much more dynamic, right? Like you're not watching it primarily on television, you're watching it online on things like YouTube gaming or Twitch, right, where there's like a live chat, Mm -hmm. you're interacting with different audience members, you're watching the broadcast as it's happening before your eyes on the internet, and... I think another really exciting part of it is just the different types of ways that people can consume the same content, right? So you still have your standard broadcast where it's like an analyst who's breaking down the game. You're getting the play-by-play just like you would in like football or soccer. But just as popular is like a streamer or like just an influencer like Shroud who pulls up the, the game on his stream and he's giving casual commentary, making jokes, kind of bantering with people in his chat. That's almost just as popular as like the formalized broadcast that we just talked about previously so just an incredibly dynamic space where it's not just about people playing games there's there's so much entertainment and creativity in terms of the way people consume it as well
2: Mm -hmm. yeah really a kind of new media version of um the way that you would typically consume sports and and it's niche right like from our own decoding studies that that we did in 2021 Eighty percent of Americans are interested in gaming in one way or another, uh, but you know within that that eighty percent, there's maybe a subset of that that's around thirty eight percent that's interested in esports. So you know, and that even itself is fragmented, right? Uh, it's not like saying thirty eight percent of them are interested in basketball and therefore the NBA. It is really broken into a whole bunch of different games, um, you know, with their own kind of tournaments and competitive play. And just because somebody is interested in one aspect of that doesn't mean that they're interested in others. Um, you know, if you are someone who's interested in watching professional League of Legends, that doesn't mean that you're also watching Call of Duty. So it, it's it's hard to talk about uh, because of the fragmentation and because it's mm-hmm. kind of a, very different from the the kind of traditional touch points that we would use with sports.
0: Got it. So I feel like you may have already answered my next question, uh, and if we if you did, we can totally skip over it. But why are esports such an important part of this overall gaming discussion that we're having?
2: Yeah, um, I mean, I I can answer it from the perspective that we've been seeing it with some of our clients and. You know, a lot of times the way in for clients or the reason that we're even thinking about this is because of the audience. Um, you know, gaming and esports has a much younger audience than traditional sports. Um, you know, it's it's a young tech savvy audience that often has ad blocks and other tools or isn't consuming media in the same way. Um, and so to reach this audience a lot of um you know, a lot of brands and a lot of media planners are trying to figure out, you know, how can we connect with this audience? Um, and gaming and esports provides like a very um, direct way of, of engaging with this group, um, you know. And then beyond that, there's, you know, by connecting with this group, you're able to uh, to kind of convert in a way that you, you wouldn't with some other uh, channels, so uh, you know, again, through the data that we've seen um, in pretty much every brand health metrics, kind of down the funnel, whether it's uh, opinion or conversion or um, loyalty and advocacy, uh, you know, esports and gaming, like the, by by sponsoring by by connecting with a a, a gamer through esports. Uh, you are able to improve on each of those, and even compared to traditional sports. So, hmm. you know, there's there's lots of upsides for being able to to you know think about esports when it comes to digital marketing.
0: Yeah, it seems like it's a pretty passionate audience as well, um, mm-hmm. and I'm very engaged, which is always a good thing. So when should advertisers consider getting involved with esports as a part of their marketing and gaming strategy?
3: I think like one thing right off the top is there's a lot of misconceptions when it comes to marketing around gaming and esports. The first thing is you don't have to be an endemic brand, right? I think a lot of people think they have to sell gaming chairs, mouses, Doritos, or Mountain Dew to be in esports or gaming, right? That is completely untrue. This is such a wide horizon for a lot of different brands in terms of how they could be communicating with consumers to get that lucrative audience that Neil talked talked about. Another interesting misconception is a lot of brands think that they have to come in with some sort of performance messaging, right? Like your Mm -hmm. product has to somehow improve gameplay, your product has to somehow make people aim faster, run better, like, you know, look at the game in a different way. But that's also completely untrue, right? So I think like performance does apply in certain elements when you talk about teams that might be pure competitive, only thinking about being the best in the world at a certain game. It might be true when you're working purely on like the eSports League side of things, where you're tapping really heavily into that competitive side of the hobby. But... As we kind of right. mentioned off the top, this this is such a unique entertainment industry, right? And especially when we look at the the opportunities that are available here in the US or abroad, there's even esports organizations themselves that are tapping very heavily into lifestyle and entertainment. They're not just known at being the best in the world when it comes to competing in certain games, they're also known for signing on gaming influencers and for starting content houses and for also that lifestyle element as well, right? And that's really why mm-hmm. you see such large brands like Louis Vuitton partner with League of Legends, right? a brand that has absolutely nothing to do with competitive gaming is a part of this space for that cachet, for that lifestyle tie. And there's so many more exciting right. and unique ways to communicate with this audience outside of, of the stereotypical ones we just mentioned.
1: It's interesting that that perception exists, that you have to be kind of like this endemic brand to get involved when, you know, looking at traditional sports, like the, the Super Bowl, like how many brands and ads do you see that have nothing to do with football. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and they're all there advertising paying pretty big bucks.
2: And, and it's a savvy audience, right? Like I think it's a the, the esports audience can be a bit jaded about this kind of thing where, you know, they'll see an advertisement from a, an organization that obviously doesn't doesn't belong but is is trying to say, "Oh, you know, you drink my soda then um then you're going to do much better in your professional gaming. And it just comes across as a bit cheesy to a lot of the (laughs) audience. I was going
0: to say that that feels like it should be a meme if it's not already like,
3: Oh no, there's plenty of those. There's definitely plenty (laughs) of those that that go around.
1: (laughs) So when a brand is wanting to bite the bullet and, and get involved, what are the types of options that are available to advertisers? Um, you know what what should they consider when when getting into this
3: for sure and i think that's one thing that's very unique about the esports like landscape if we think about it that way is it's very different than traditional sport right like i think at the very top the king of all kings you have publishers right the people that develop and make the games that everybody plays the activision blizzards who create you know the call of duties and all that as well as epic right. games who create games like fortnite right like these people disseminate these games they create these games they run these games and And from them, usually, are birth things like esports leagues. Maybe there's a game out there that's doing really well, and a lot of people are playing it competitively. You know, someone like Riot Games will see League of Legends and and say, hey, there's a lot of people that are playing our game that seem to want to compete at a professional level, and there's an appetite for this, let's legitimize this space by creating a league around it, right? So let's make a formalized competition that runs you around. we're going to manage it in-house, that everyone can kind of compete in, and this is going to be like a franchised industry, just like the NBA or the NFL, but we're going to be the ones that are at the head of this thing. And that's primarily what brands first think about when they think about esports, right? It's signing some sort of league deal that's analogous to a traditional sports deal. You're going to get signage, you're going to get some branding rights, and all those things kind of carry through. Another interesting piece here are ideas like tournaments. So certain publishers potentially don't have the money or the resources to run an esports league all by themselves, but they may see an opportunity with one of their games, right? So what's the solve there? I'm going to license my IP, my intellectual property, my game out to a third party organization who's going to run those tournaments for me, right? So it's basically like another org who's going to take my IP and create a league out of it. And usually that's pretty similar to how it'd be run by an in-house league. It's just potentially less competitions. It's going to be more of a global focus rather than like a regional focus, and the brands can still get a similar kind of league deal structure with them. One incredibly exciting area is obviously teams. So the people that are competing. In these big esports leagues, right? Like the bread and butter is the you know, the the future Lakers or the future Golden State Warriors for these like individual games. And this is an exciting area to be playing in within sponsorship. A lot of creativity here and how you can work with certain organizations. We mentioned like the variety of different business models previously, where when you're working with a potential esports team, they're maybe not just competing in games. They might have influencers and all these other interesting assets to leverage. So there's a lot of different ways in, and each of them are incredibly unique that brands can definitely be thinking about
2: yeah and even within teams like they're all structured differently so you know a lot of times a brand will want to be able to leverage a specific pro player that is doing amazing things on on a team in some cases it's the team themselves that is the direct kind of conduit to that player and you're going to make a deal with that team and be able to leverage that player's social channels and all of that In other cases, it's a bit more of a dotted line, and you're going to have to make a deal with the player themselves. In some cases, the players, uh, you know, have their own personal channels, and those are much more popular than the team. So it's, again, it's really fragmented, uh, both from that standpoint, as well as going back to my point about the, the games, like. this is not a monolithic uh, interest. This is uh, one that is broken up into so many different games and then into the leagues and tournaments. And so there's so many ways in for brands and it's really trying to think about, you know, what is your budget? What are your objectives overall in terms of, um, you know, what your target audience is, what part of the marketing funnel you're trying to solve for, um, you know what the like call to action is going to be and even like I think an important one with this too is geographic limitations yeah. where you know w- again using traditional sports as a as a framework you would sometimes have a a team where you, you know that you can sponsor that team and for a certain area it's going to be really relevant to that area for, for a city or for a region um, that's not always the case with esports where it is much more of an international affair um, so you are going to have spillover in terms of interest in fandom um, just because you sponsor your city's esports team doesn't mean that you've got your city behind you it is um, you know, you you have to do your homework and it's it's a lot, you know there's a lot of things to consider when you're when you're looking into esports as a as a sponsorship or as a as a you know, investment as a brand.
1: Got it. So there might not be the same like nationalistic or local fervor for a, a- a team as there is in regular sports like seattle seahawks and, base. and it's
2: building like i i think that that's something that a lot of these you know these, these nascent organizations are building towards is this fandom that is a local fandom um and as alex mentioned you know some of these are more of uh you know as a franchise model where they they're franchising these out into different teams. Um, whereas others it is, it's a little bit more free for all. Um, so there's different levels of sophistication from game to game and publisher and league. Um, so yeah, there is some instances where there is some hometown love, um, but it's something that's growing and especially in North America, it's something that that's still pretty nascent.
3: Yeah, to, to Neil's point there, like it's it's very much different for different types of games. It's different for each organization. Like. Unlike in traditional sport, there is no one viable business model, right? So a lot of different new up-and-coming orgs are trying different things. Orgs that have been here for a long time might not necessarily have taken the same path to success as like a traditional team. So a lot of the older kind of established esports organizations didn't never had a hometown, right? Like if you think about the names that are recognizable in esports, Team Solo Mid, Cloud Nine, there is no like hometown in their name. It's not it's, it's not the Los Angeles Lakers. It's not the Seattle Seahawks. Like These are right. brands that are built to be euphemeris and to make it so that whether you're watching from your home in Los Angeles or even tuning in from your phone on Indonesia, you could be a fan of TSM, right? And that's still prevalent throughout the culture. And certain leagues are taking a different approach where they're trying to build a more localized group. But it, it very much so varies and kind of plays into that point that we talked about where the landscape is so complex and And there's so many different ways to go about it
0: super interesting and definitely want to dive in more so who is involved from an audience perspective in in esports and how do these these people compare to regular sports fans or gamers at large is there overlap between these groups what does that look like
2: yeah like i think i think it's it's sometimes uh difficult to say or at least it's maybe again leading back to that misconception from earlier like I think there is no one monolithic audience here. <laughs> I think one thing that you can say is like, yes, um, you know, in general, there trend tends to be a trend towards a younger audience than, if specifically traditional sports, right? Um, comparing to, to gaming again, like this is this is one where um, you know it is there are people that are interested into it, in it, that that have you know, Gen Z um, that are, you know this is part of their culture and then there's people that are you know, have been part of like, gaming has been part of their life since they were young and um, you know, they, they've grown up with it and maybe there are adults now, professionals that are very much interested in it so it's, it's hard to say, you know, the The one thing that we can say, uh, again, is like the the youth component, where, um, you know, if we look at stats like, uh, would you rather go to an esports or gaming event than any other type of event? You'll see a huge uptick uh, in younger audiences that would say that, that would say yes to that um, compared to the average US uh, gamer. Um, So that's, that's kind of the one kind of common thread that you can see throughout. Again, the way that we would tend to look at it though is more in the way that you would think about any other audience when you're thinking about brand marketing, where, what is your target audience? um, And then how do, how did they relate to gaming? So coming at it kind of from the other side, not trying to understand you know what's this gaming audience, and that doesn't make sense for us. It is broad based enough, and um, you know there's there's enough of different people from different stripes that that are interested in it. That the more you know, useful way of thinking about it is you know I am. I'll throw out a, a bad example here. I'm Lululemon, <laughs> and I know that my audience is. Um, a yoga fan that is, uh, you know, that is this age with this household income, you know, how would that audience relate with gaming? Is it that they're interested in, you know, the pro esports? Is it that they're more casual? Is it that they, you know, watch people streaming, but, that they, uh, that they don't really, uh, they wouldn't necessarily watch a full tournament. Is it that they are just, you know, will follow a little bit um, of what they see in their social media feed? Um, you know, even somebody like a Lululemon could probably find an audience in gaming. And whether that's in the competitive esports or whether it's in some of those more casual aspects, I think that's right. that's tends to be the, the way that we think about it.
3: Gamers are everywhere. Like I think, from the Neo, the studies that Neil has shown previously, like it's such a mainstream hobby now that it's so hard right. to kind of pigeonhole this audience into a single category. And a lot of the times, as a brand, it's it's a much more nuanced connection to the hobby. Like Neil was mentioning, like you you got to really think about what are the different ways that your target market is consuming gaming. Is it playing Wordle? Is it something that's a bit more like sophisticated? And and that requires you to really look deep and, and know a lot more about the space.
0: Got it. And kind of relatedly, like, are there some types of games that are only played by the leagues versus the players themselves? And how does the fandoms play into it? Sorry, these are all very like novice questions, but genuine curiosity.
3: Right, right. So so the question here is like, what kind of defines a game that's played by esports versus a game that's played by like, almost everybody, like, like a Wordle or something like that, right?
0: Uh, yes but and then also we have like the fandom aspect of it as well of the like the following of the players that you guys are talking about so kind of a, a broad question uh but just kind of understanding how they all layer layered
3: together that makes sense that makes sense so on on the game level first i think, most esports games have two main qualities right the first one is that they're competitive there has to be some sort of competitive aspect to it where you're competing against another person it's not just about your own personal enjoyment and then secondly high skill ceiling like it can't be a game that you can master in like two hours or be able to play at like a pretty decent level in like a couple days it has to be a game where you could basically reiterate and play the same game for the rest of your lives and potentially not have that potential or that you know stardom to be able to be one of the top players in the world, right? And those two things exactly. really define esports titles Is those, right? That's why League of Legends is so popular. That's why games like Counter-Strike are so popular. It's There's so much complexity to the game that it's, uh, it's almost a wonder to watch other people play it because of the fact Got that it. like they're, okay. they're they're thinking about it at such a high level like the the IQ right. that they're they're approaching this to is so different than you are and that also goes into how the fandoms develop too right usually people that watch esports have some interest in being good at those types of difficult games right so potentially they're looking towards these athletes and these teams as almost like their own coaches right like what can i adapt into my gameplay by watching faker play league of legends right what can i do right. differently watching this team strategy, this game, and how do I potentially bring it into my own public matches, right? I think it also creates a much more dedicated fandom sometimes, just like it does in traditional sports. You have alliances with certain teams that you follow for a very long time. Th- there are people that are much more dedicated to watching games beginning to end because of the fact that like you've learned so much about it by being exposed to it, that at this point, like you're, you're, you're in it, right? Like you're part of the fandom. Now you're not just like a general gamer anymore. Like you're so honed in and focused on your discipline so <laughs> right yeah there, there's 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 so many like different aspects to it like for myself like in high school i played league of legends and like that's where i developed my gaming skill set right so i can't just hop into a game like call of duty or hop into a game like counter strike and expect to be good at it it's a totally different like area of esports Got and right. it requires totally different skills
2: and I think that's what limits the audience too, right? Um, you have to have a fairly good sense of almost like the rule set. Imagine watching one game or one sport that you've never watched before and just not understanding what the rules are. That's that's kind of maybe the barrier between somebody being able to watch any sport and being interested in it is because you need to be able to know some of those nuances of, Oh, you know, that was really interesting that he did that because it was, you know, he, he, you know, <laughs> cut this corner and was able yeah. to, you know, uh, expose this person uh, from the back. Like, it's it's something where a casual viewer wouldn't be able to catch it. But when right. these people are playing at the kind of elite level, it's um, something of a wizardry that they're, they're uh, displaying. <laughs>
3: just like traditional sports you have to be like indoctrinated into it right like maybe your dad is like a fan of the los angeles lakers and because of that you're indoctrinated to be a lakers <laughs> fan because like you know your whole family <laughs> is into this thing and like that's what you do every single day yeah. maybe it's like you're on the school playground and like you start playing basketball with a couple of your friends and from that you want to join a team and then eventually you start right. watching the nba like it it's a similar journey but maybe just more focus on the internet where instead of playing basketball in the schoolyard it's i'm in high school and i picked up league Legends, because five of my other friends want to play with me, right? And through that, you eventually get more and more into it.
1: It seems like most marketers kind of consider esports as like the equivalent of real life sports, just in the the digital realm. Um, which, obviously, from our conversation today, is is uh, it's there's a lot of differences <laughs> between the two. Um, what would you say are the main differentiation factors for consideration when a brand's wanting to get involved in in esports versus regular sports from an advertising perspective
3: mm-hmm. i think first of all like there, there has to be a real appreciation for the amount of homework that you have to do to be kind of involved in this space both from a strategy perspective and just understanding the culture of this space you know i think that like just like the Unlike traditional sports, let's say, you know, there's a lot of people that are fans of traditional sport that now work within sponsorship or work within marketing focused on traditional sports. Right. And there's so many things that are Mm -hmm. obvious to you as someone who kind of grew up with this thing that are intrinsic to what you how you approach this space that You have to understand that you don't have that knowledge in esports right you don't have those preconceived foundational like moments of of knowing the culture and knowing what you're getting into so it takes a lot more onus on you to kind of understand that and potentially find other people who are able to guide you into it properly who know it from the ground up in that way and and that's just on on the highest level i'm going to pass it over to neil maybe he can elaborate a little bit yeah so
2: i think what you're talking about alex is like subject matter experts so if you You know, if you have that person on your team that is obsessed with video games, they may be able to give you a better sense of what it is that, you know, whether what you're talking about makes sense um, or whether it's going to be mocked online. And (laughs) to your point about like the difference when it comes to advertising in particular um, for between esports and sports, you know, Alex talked about some of the assets earlier that, that you could... You know, potentially get out of a, a deal with an esports team. Uh, it's, it's, it, there's some equivalence between traditional sports and esports. And, you know, if, if you think about, for example, um, a with a traditional sport, you're getting a jersey patch, right? You've got that jersey patch on the player's jersey in any replay during the game, like, in broadcast, in you know, um merch, like all of that, all of those aspects, your logo, your brand's logo is going to be included. I think, you know, that type of thing doesn't uh doesn't work in esports as cleanly. You need to be a little bit more creative about the the assets that you would negotiate because if you imagine just converting that to, let's say, Call of Duty alone, right? You've got it on, on the player. Um, the majority of the time, you're not seeing the other players like you would in a, in a basketball game, for example, where you're seeing all of the players. It's one court half of the game is about the environment that you're running through and if you do see another player you see them for a second before they're shot and dead and like it is it's it's very much a different thing so figuring out those ways to integrate into whether it's into the game if you're working with a publisher you know there are a lot of there are some overlaps in terms of kind of almost display you can think of it as like the rink board ads they can have similar ads on like on the field of play in, in um, esports. Uh, but when it comes to, you know, thinking about the assets, you know, finding those unique ways that are going to be high visibility throughout the game and going to actually be featured, um, you know, it, it takes some kind of some, some nuance. So, I think I say this because it's easy to think, oh, this is the equivalent to a jersey patch, so I'm going to, you know, I understand the investment, but in reality, it probably takes, I'd I'd advise you watching a couple of tournaments and seeing, you know, where would that asset really be seen? Is it only going to be seen on screen for, you know, a minute every, every, you know, match or, you know, thinking about it from that perspective, I think is is valuable.
3: Yeah. Yeah. To Neil's point, like in esports, everything happens in the digital realm, right? It doesn't happen out here, like in the real life kind of physical realm where, you know, if you're sponsoring the Golden State Warriors and you have a jersey patch, the game is going to be focused on Steph Curry, who has that logo on like your shirt, taking like three pointers every single like game, right? Instead, if you're sponsoring a team in esports and you have a star player like that, they're not focused on watching the star player move their hands on a mouse and keyboard. It's all about what's happening in game. That's what's going to be on the broadcast, right? So that jersey patch that you have in real life is only going to show up in like a B-roll shot where they see like a player's reaction or something. And Neil's point, that's maybe like 10 or 20 seconds out of like a 30-minute broadcast. So you have to be able to figure out what really are people paying Attention to, from an eyeballs perspective, even when you're thinking about something as basic as like a brand integration into signage or things like that.
2: I just add to that, Alex. Like one interesting asset that we've been talking about recently is like even the the logo behind the chair. As much as that Mm. feels like something that is only applicable to an endemic chair sponsor, that is a visible logo throughout the entire. Um, broadcast in most cases the player is you know in a small little uh you know picture in picture in the bottom corner and at least you can always see that logo so just you know one of those interesting nuances that that um, applies only only to esports
3: and like really talking about Bringing it back up to a a little higher level, like in terms of the spirit of wanting to get into the space, the big thing is you always want to add value, right? You want to be authentic. You want to be credible. We've talked about how this audience is savvy. They're young. They've grown up in this age of digital advertising. They know about the way that you're integrated into these different broadcasts and like the types of dealings that happen behind the door and the money that's exchanged. So you really want to make sure that you're building a real connection to these fans, right? And whatever you're doing isn't transactional, but instead poises and sets you up to to really think about this as a long-term play in a certain way, right? And I think that's going to be really key moving forward, especially as the space continues to get more and more popular. Is brands really have to think about what's going to make them stand out? How do they build a deeper connection with fans as more and more of their peers continue to get into this space?
2: And it's it's likely why we've seen such you know you know such an uptick in all of those brand health metrics that I was talking about earlier. Is that the brands that are in the space currently n- know why they're in the space and they are talking to this audience in a way that resonates with that audience, which can't always be said for for sports where it is you know much more of a you know maybe even a media play. It is uh, you know a decision that is made because you know this is the way that we can get some eyeballs. Um, you know, with esports, I think. The, the brands that have waded in to date generally have done so because they know their audience and they know what they want to, to say in the space. And so you have this much more of an authentic connection to to the audience, to the to the industry, and so you, you see those uptakes in in uh, brand health metrics as as a result of that.
1: Sounds like you're describing like you're seeing the best of the best. Yeah. examples of it because like the process to get involved and the amount of work to get involved is so intricate and and great compared to like launching a random display campaign. like it's it's a, a lot more intentionality put into it. and so brands are kind of like forced to do their best work.
2: Yeah. yeah, we'd like to say that obviously it is niche. Um, it is, you know, nuanced, but if you can get in and you're deliberate about it and you're smart about it, there's huge upsides to it. So, um, I think brands see that and we've seen a huge interest from brands, uh, both that, you know, you would expect as well as ones that, that seem like maybe they have no business in these sports, but really, you know, as, as Alex said, like the Louis Vuitton of the world. Um, uh, have have shown that it, it works. So.
3: Mm-hmm. And Louis Vuitton is a really great example, right? I think a lot of people think of gamers as like people in their basement, not a lot of income, and like the only thing they buy are like gaming mouses and Doritos. But, you know, with brands like that, they've shown <laughs> that there's as, as much success selling like a premium product like Louis Vuitton, like purses and, and other things, right? right? Like this is, they have the income, they have the, the ability to buy. Like th- there's so many different ways in and, you know, I think a big thing too is that these learnings are transferable, right? A lot of people think they're we're spending money or like we're spending time thinking about how to get into esports and gaming, but what you're really doing as well is, like Neil mentioned up the top, you're learning how to communicate with the next generation of consumers, and these trends are not going to go away, right? It's not like people who are into esports when they turn 30 suddenly a switch flips and they're not going to watch esports broadcasts anymore and they're going to start tuning into football every single Friday night, right? Like th- these are. <laughs> These are things they're gonna to continue to do throughout the rest of their lives. These are things they're gonna introduce their kids to and it's just gonna become more and more of like a big part of everybody's lives. So an exciting, it's exciting stuff, it's an exciting space to be in.
0: Very cool. So as we're wrapping up our episode here, what other takeaways should marketers be thinking about after listening?
2: Alex, I'll toss it to you.
3: Sounds good. Honestly, <laughs> I, I think we covered a lot today. At the end of the day, you know, as much as we talk about all the nuances and how like this is a complex space, it's also fun, right? Like this is a new area, it's gaming, it's video games, you know, like it's this, It's it's a place where you can potentially combine a passion with what you do every single day to day for work as well. And hopefully everyone who wants to get into the space doesn't forget that, like this can be a very, very fun space to work with, especially when it comes to marketing and, and advertising. We've seen brands have fun with it, even poke fun at themselves or other competitors. It's, <laughs> it's a great space to, you know, really flex your creative muscles and think about, out-of-the-box solutions to get the outcomes that you want and we're always excited to talk to brands and different clients about about this new area because of that
2: yeah like I think it can be daunting Um, it can be uh, an audience or an industry that can be intimidating that can you know poke holes in whatever it is that that you may be throwing at them but I think There's also the flip side of it of, you know, there's a lot of these audiences that recognize that, you know, these brands are elevating their sport. It's elevating their interest and that um, in order for um, esports to get bigger and better, um, you need brands involved and uh, you need kind of that, that marketing push behind it. Um, and there's a lot of embrace of brands, um, when they do it right, because, uh, you know, they, they recognize that, Hey, my favorite team is, is, you know, is able to, to, you know, go to the next level because of this brand. So there, there is a lot of love that is shown from these audiences to brands. If you can get it right, um, as long as you can avoid some of the missteps. Well
0: said. All right. Well, Alex, Neil, thank you so, so, so much for joining us today and sharing your expertise on eSports. It's really been an interesting and actually very eye-opening conversation for me. I definitely feel like I did not know the space at all and have a lot to learn. So thank you. We really appreciate it. Thank
2: Thank you. you, Great to be be here. here. Yeah, great to be here.
1: This brings us to the end of our episode of Digital Marketing Musings. If you have an idea for an episode for our 2022 season, we would love to hear it. Just drop us a note at digital marketing musings at Merkelink.com. And of course,
0: don't forget to hit that subscribe button and rate and review us. It helps others find our show, and please be
1: sure to tell a friend about us as well. This episode was produced by Merkel with sound and video editing by Craig Zagurski. Our team includes copywriting by Melissa Riley, graphic design by Garrett Rubel, website support by Ted Lonzak, and social media and promotion by Jenna Astrop and Andrea Ratner. And of course, be sure to tune in next time as we continue our gaming series with episodes
0: on Web 3.0 and the metaverse. Until then, I'm Andrew McCartney. And I'm Gaia
1: Reed. Bye.